You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have Derek Sanders from Mayday Parade. This interview came to me in a kind of a strange way. I, I have uh, two publicists at Big Picture Media, and Mayday Parade's publicist, I guess, got in touch with them asking about getting Derek on the show. Um, and full disclosure, I had never heard Mayday Parade before this. Um, and I kind of kept it that way cause I was more interested in, uh, you know, the story and everything else. And, you know, I don't prepare a lot for these and that's on purpose because I like to let things naturally unfold. So, um, I kept it that way and Derek was awesome. We had a, we had a great, uh, chat. We talked a lot about warp tour and, um, both of our experiences there. We've been on the same record labels, uh, two out of three and, uh, just a bunch of stuff about ingenuity, you know, pressing CDs on credit to go sell through lines at Warp Tour or Hot Topics, things that bands did back in the early 2000s to try to get ahead and try to stay on the road or get on to shows. Um, so there's a lot of good insight there. And uh, I think he talks a little bit about uh, a new record they're working on and and uh, a bunch of stuff like that. So uh, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. If you want to, you know, show someone the show, Send them there. It has all the episodes on a player. It's got all the merch links, uh, publicist links, all that stuff. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to send guest ideas or questions or anything like that, you can do that there. Uh, definitely sign up for the Facebook group, Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group. Uh, go search that in Facebook. We'll add you in. It's a private group. 
Uh, but you get access to who's coming up early, uh, when things are done, you know, you get to submit questions and things like that. Uh, it's a good time all around. And also the premium. The premium gets you uh, access to the Pastcast, which is a podcast I do on the side with other podcasters going through their uh, favorite episodes of Peer Pleasure. Um, we tell stories about that stuff. It's it's pretty fun. And then we also have the ad-free feed, so you don't have to listen to all the ads. And also you get the video footage of all the interviews. Uh, that's all through the premium. And that's peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. And you can sign up today uh, and get access to all this stuff. You would have had this interview way earlier uh, if you're a member of that, and those of you that are, thank you so much for supporting the show. It really, really helps. All right, so Mayday Parade. Derek Sanders is the guest. Uh, this was, like I said, this was a good. This was a good chat of someone I did not know, uh, and I'm I'm grateful for that because you know getting to learn more about other people and other bands that I didn't know uh, is always fascinating. So I uh, appreciate him coming on. So without further ado, guys, let's jump right into my conversation with Derek Sanders from Mayday Parade. I had a dream. Can you hear me? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? Doing well. I'll see. I was hoping this would come through on here. It's coming out of the computer speakers. Is that a problem? Are you hearing like a pickback of, of your voice? No, not so far. Cool. Cool. Sounds pretty good, actually. Nice. Awesome. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I, I This was a weird one because I, I got this request from my publicist, from okay. your publicist. Uh, they hit me up. Can you hear, can you hear like a car going off? Uh, the, the tiniest bit. Or like a just... stereo. Do you hear a stereo? No. Okay. There's, uh, so I'm in downtown Portland and okay. it, it, like where my studio is, it's an equal vision office here in downtown Portland. We're on a second story, uh, historical building down here and they legalized everything here. So like it's chaos down on the street. So there is a like a broke down minivan and like RVs and so it looks like Breaking Bad out there, but yeah. there's this this crack dealer that pulls up all the time, opens all his doors up and blares his system so loud, it oh rattles gosh. the windows and he's literally parked right down below here, like just cranked, and he'll <sighs> do it for hours, 
And you'll just sit there and watch him sell drugs all the whole time, just like five or six deals in a row. It's just out in the open. It's craziness. That's but wild. then he, he, all of a sudden, you'll hear a commercial come on because he doesn't pay for Spotify Premium. He's literally listening to like low budget Spotify right. on this crazy system, like wads of cash in his hands. Yeah. And can't pay the 10 bucks for Spotify yeah. Premium. It's ridiculous. That's Sorry. amazing. I had ran about that because it's, it's pissing me off because it literally, like, whenever I come to record, he is here and just yeah. blaring it. I try to get that spot where he parks, but I always miss out. It sucks. So yeah. you might hear it, but it's not going to record on the recorder. You, my, my, all my audio is coming through here. So cool. if you hear a car alarm or whatever, don't worry about it. it I can barely hear it too. So um, anyways, your publicist, I guess, hit up my publicist who emailed me about this. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. That's never happened that way before. It's usually a publicist okay. reach out, reaches out to me directly um, or I get hooked up with someone directly through whatever. So it was interesting to do it that way. It was like, like this juggling back and forth. Anyway, so, uh, but I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, I'm stoked to chat with you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm not sure if you've heard the show before, but uh, uh, it's pretty much just, it's pretty loose. I don't know how many podcasts you've done, if you've done a ton or, or what, but. Um, a handful. Yeah. You have? Mm -hmm. Have you had a good experience so far with podcasts? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's cool to just kind of, you know, chat about whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Do you listen to many? I don't listen to a lot. I should more often. Um, I listen to a lot of like news podcasts and like historical stuff. Not a lot of just like chat kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. every now and then if there's something that I'll see that I'm like super interested in, um, I'll check it out. But uh, I do a lot of like long drives and I, I should, I should uh, search out more podcasts to listen to to help pass the time for that. You know, I go back, I go, I'm in Tallahassee right now. I go up to Nashville a good bit. Um, and that's a pretty long drive. And, uh, so I should try and discover some more to kind of break that up a little bit. Yeah. I, I wish I had podcasts back when I was touring. I stopped touring in 2007 and it was like, I think they were just probably creeping out around then or somewhere close to that. Right. Yeah. We always had to listen to coast to coast, uh, when we were touring and like, yeah, I love that on the all night drives and stuff. You just put on like this three hour program, uh, yeah, on AM radio, <laughs> right? Well, what did you? What touring did you do? What uh, What was What was that? Oh, I I was in a band called Anatomy of a Ghost, um, and then oh. uh, Portugal the Man for a little while. Oh, that's awesome! I'm sorry, I didn't know that. That's that's super Dude, cool. No, yeah, no sweat. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's been a really long time, but yeah, that's uh, that's where my touring days come from. But uh. Yeah, pre-podcasting, still had Discmans and and uh, like a flip phone, cell phone, yeah. so a lot different. But um, yeah, how long have you been touring then? Um, I've been touring uh, pretty much since 2004. Uh, the first tour that I went on was 2004 when I was 17 years old. And um, then I guess like touring as like a like touring and nothing else, like no like real job or whatever, um, since 2000 and, uh, well, 2005, so just a year later, but, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's rad. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's pretty That's crazy. Rad. That's 2004. That's the year we broke up in Florida, <laughs> in oh, Miami wow. and drove all the way back home, but canceled the rest of the tour. It just drove straight back to Portland. That's but, uh, Portland. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh, that's yeah. That's insane. We made that drive a couple times. Things happen. We're like, oh, we just canceled the rest of this tour and drive <clears> home. 
Wow. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, were you born and raised in, in Florida then? Yeah, Tallahassee my whole life. Yep. Man, and you're there now. So you literally your whole life. Yep. Yeah. What it's was... cool. I like Tallahassee a lot. It's a it's a it's like a nice kind of in between. It's not too big, it's not too small. There's enough going on, but it's not like a big city. Um, it's it's growing, it's expanding. I feel like it's kind of like thriving and things are happening. There's a lot of great people here. Mm-hmm. The music scene isn't that great here anymore. I'm also probably not nearly as connected with it as I used to be, you know, um, but there was an incredible music scene here when I was like a teenager and like in high school and all that. And I'm super grateful to have been a part of all that and many great influences. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool place. Man, I don't think I've ever been through Tallahassee. I don't think we ever played Tallahassee. I think it was always like Orlando, Miami, Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember Tallahassee. I, I kind of wish I did now. So I'd have a frame of reference, yeah. but uh, yeah. So you growing up in, in Tallahassee, like tell me about that because I've like I Florida is such a strange place to me because it seems like you have the the what do you call them snowbirds that move down right. in the in the wintertime and then they're mm-hmm. gone. So there's like this transient deal like, like with Vegas almost. But then mm-hmm. you know, there's so many people go there to retire. That's kind of like the end game. Growing up there, what's that like in Florida? Yeah. Well, you know, like I feel like Tallahassee is a lot different than, so we're up in the panhandle, you know, <laughs> and I feel like, and most people would probably say this, that it doesn't really feel like, like central and South Florida. Um, it, it, it almost is, it almost feels like Georgia. Like you're in South Georgia for the most <laughs> part. Um, it's a college town. Uh, you know, we have FSU here and FAMU and TCC. So it's very much a, a college town. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's cool. I had a, I had a great, you know, childhood and I got into music pretty early on when I was about like 10 years old is when I started, I have an older brother who started, um, playing guitar and started a band. I thought that was cool and wanted to do it too. Um, so I got my first guitar when I was 10 and started taking piano lessons. And that's kind of been like my main thing ever since then, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, so what got you into it though? Like what, what sparked it with you that you wanted to do music? Like you say 10 years old. I remember when I was 10 years old, I think I was listening to Michael Jackson and Paul Abdul, like stuff my parents bought me when CDs first came out. <laughs> they picked For like sure. the most popular stuff and, and gave it to yeah. me. And that's all I had. Like, what were you listening to back then? I was into it. Well, I, I only because of my, my brother, who's four years older than me. Um, around the time I was probably, I guess maybe around eight or so roughly up until that point I had, you know, same, I'd only listen to whatever my parents had showed me and stuff on the radio a lot of like kind of easy listening stuff and a little bit of like classic rock and like the Beatles and, mm-hmm. um, but not really anything like rock and roll, you know? Um, then, uh, my older brother showed me smashing pumpkins when I was, I guess, again, about eight. And, and I remember that moment, you know, vividly and just being like, like, show me more, like, like immediately, like I want to hear, you know, and then he started playing all kinds of other, you know, I got, I got really into just like the nineties rock, mm-hmm. you know, Nirvana, and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Stone Temple Pilots and Bush, Oasis, uh, you know, all that stuff. And that was, I, I would just spend, you know, so much time in, in my room with like, you know, a boombox or whatever, just listening to these, these records and these CDs. And uh, that was a huge thing. And then whenever he started playing guitar and started a band, that was kind of the next thing that I kind of latched onto. And I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like, cause I was way into all these bands and I was like, Oh my gosh, we could do that too. You know? And, mm-hmm. uh, 
so that just kind of that was kind of the the main thing and then um i have another brother who's in between i'm the youngest and my oldest brother and the middle brother mark uh, he got a bass at the same time i got a guitar and i had a cousin who got a guitar at the same time and so the three of us my brother mark and my cousin travis um we started just messing around with learning songs and playing you know, again, all these like kind of like Oasis songs and like the things that mo- a lot of people started with, you know, back at that time. Um, and just tinkering around with like, you know, playing these songs. And we used to, uh, again, when I was probably like 10, 11 years old, we'd have these family get togethers at my grandparents' house. Uh, and they had a pool table downstairs and we would set up on the pool table and like play little like concerts for our family members. We'd set up seats and stuff. And um, that was kind of like, you know, the very beginning of us doing any sort of like performance stuff. And it really just kind of like kept, you know, I, I wanted to meet friends at school that played music. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, I met a buddy named Ben who played drums and I was like, Oh man, that's amazing. Cause I'd always been trying to find other people that were kind of into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in seventh grade, he introduced me to Brooks. So Brooks is the, the guitar player or one of the guitar players in Mayday Parade. Um, and Ben was like, yo, this guy Brooks plays guitar. He should come jam with us sometime. And so we kind of set it up where after school one day, Brooks is going to come back to my house and we were all going to jam in the garage. Um, the day that I met him was after school. Uh, he had his guitar. He came back to my house and I was like, yeah, this guy can play. And we became like best friends kind of like just overnight. And, uh, again, that was when I was 12 years old, you know, I'm, th- I'm th- actually, I turned 35 tomorrow, tomorrow's my birthday. Um, and, uh, so in every single band that I've been in, Brooks has been in as well. Um, and when we met in seventh grade and started, it was like, kind of like finding that other person who wanted it as much as I did, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, you know, and I've, I've said this many times that, I think if I hadn't met Brooks, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And I, I wouldn't be here today um, because I wanted it, but I don't think I ever would have like figured it out. But Brooks is such a smart guy and he's such a driven guy. And he's such a like, you know, if you're going to do something like go all in and do it right and like research how to do it and like just figure out how to do it. I feel like I would have been the kind of person and I've known a lot of these people that like want it, but they kind of just, don't put in the effort to make it happen or they just kind of expect that someday something's going to come along and it'll make sense or whatever. Um, but as soon as we started kind of jamming with Brooks, he was like, yo, let's like set up, let's call around and see if we can get set up to play some shows and let's start like, you know, let's save up, let's play like friends birthday parties. And, you know, we get paid a little bit of money and save up some money and buy some, you know, like, uh, eight track, like recording equipment and start recording some demos and let's start like printing some t-shirts and let's start like all these things that like, I never would have thought of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, Oh, okay, cool. We can do that. Like, all right, sure. You know? And, um, so he was always like kind of the driving for, and then that was, you know, seventh grade. And then moving on through high school, that was again, like we cared so much more about the music we were making and the bands we were in than school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we dedicated so much, you know, time to that. And it was all just like these, like learning, there's a lot of like learning process of like learning how to actually be in a band and going to so many shows. And Brooks was great about like, we'd go to these shows and it'd be these kind of like, you know, small to mid-level touring bands. And we try and like kind of meet them after the shows and Brooks would pick their brain and be like, 
how did you guys get started? How did you guys get signed? How did you get on the road? What did you, you know, and he'd kind of take all these things he learned from them and put it into practice with us. And, um, and then I, I'm sorry if I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, no, but, here. Good. Um, but, uh, when we were seniors in high school, um, we had been in many different bands together at that point, but we'd finally gotten one together at this point. Now we were in our first kind of like emo band. We had gone through at first we were doing kind of like the radio rock, you know, like doing Bush covers and things like that and writing some of our songs that were kind of like, you know, alternative rock kind of stuff. Then we got into like the hardcore scene of playing, you know, hardcore music. Uh, and then we finally got into like the, you know, emo pop punk, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, uh, that band was like, this is actually like, you know, kind of, kind of cool. And then there could be, you know, something, something here. Um, and so Brooks was like, look, let's, let's not go to college. Let's like actually give this a shot and start touring as soon as we graduate high school. And so Brooks, uh, booked us a tour, um, that started two weeks after we graduated high school, started in Tallahassee, Florida, went up the East coast to Maine and back down and, he just did it all himself. Just, I mean, he, he spent a ton of time, you know, and this was back in you know 2004. It was, it was a, he was just calling promoters. And there's a website called book your own fucking life.com mm -hmm. that had all these contacts of different promoters around the country. And so he would just email guys and call guys and just get us like added onto whatever local shows. There's anything that we could get, you know? Um, and yeah, booked us a tour. We started two weeks after we, we left high, uh, graduate high school and, uh, um, kind of did a little bit of that with that. That was a band called defining moment. Um, we did some, you know, very small level touring. I mean, literally some nights playing for the bartender and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. no, like nobody was, was there. Um, but just kind of barely making enough money, gas money to, to make it to the next show, sleeping in the van or staying at people's houses, never getting hotels or anything like that. Uh, living off of $5 a day for like none of us had any money or anything, you know? but yeah, eat, eating up $5 a day. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it was kind of just like, like learning, you know, all these steps. And, and one of the really important things that we learned, um, or one of the things that really kind of like helped spring things forward, um, was we used to, you know, we'd go to these shows, we'd, we'd go to the venue early, kind of load in, check in, whatever. Then we'd have several hours before we actually played, we'd take the van and go to the nearest mall. And we'd walk around the mall with like flyers for the show and a little like Walkman CD player with headphones. And we'd be like, Hey guys, and you go like hot topic or, you know, whatever, just kind of try and find people that looks like maybe they were into music. And, um, we'd be like, Hey, we're in a band, we're playing, you know, this show tonight. And we show them and be like, if you guys want to come check it out. We also have, we had an EP that we had recorded, um, that we had just got pressed our, we had paid to get pressed ourselves. Um, we were getting a $5 EP and, you know, we'd maybe sell two EPs walking around the mall or whatever. And then we'd play the show and you'd sell a couple EPs or whatever. Um, and then I guess this was in, uh, 2005, uh, we played a show in Jacksonville at Jack rabbits. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, afterwards a guy came up to us and he was like, yo, you guys are pretty cool. And he, he was, he, he happened to be the promoter for taste of chaos, which was a festival, <coughs> excuse me, that, Kevin Lyman used to do, this was the first year of Taste of Chaos. It was the used and my chemical romance and kill switch engage. And it was this massive, you know, uh, tour. And we were pumped because we happened to have the day off and he was like, I'll get you guys on the guest list. If y'all want to come check out the show. So we were super stoked about that. We go to the show 
And we were like, you know what? Like we've, you know, there's like tons, there's thousands and thousands of people there. Um, we were like, well, we got our Walkman, you know, CD players. Like, let's, let's go see if we can sell a couple EPs while we're here. And we walked around and we sold a hundred EPs and, and just that like few hours of doing that. And then we, when we got back to the van later, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, wait a second, like, like this, that's crazy. Like in a month of touring that we've been doing, we don't sell a hundred CDs. Mm -hmm. And in one day here, we just did that. So we're like, we need to just find a big tour like this and follow it and sell CDs. Um, and so that was the plan. Then, uh, the next, uh, warp tour 2005, um, we, uh, luckily the company that pressed our EPs let us, they pressed 10,000 copies for us up front without us having, we didn't have the money to pay for it. We were just like hoping that we were going to sell enough of these to, to pay them back. Um, yeah. we were in a lot of debt. Um, and so we got 10,000 copies pressed. We followed warp tour in 2005, just walked the line outside and sold, I think like just under 9,000, uh, EPs that, that summer. Um, so anyway, I know I kind of went through a, a, a lengthy you know, process there, but <laughs> that was like, a, like, you know, and then at that point, uh, defining moment broke up shortly after that. And there was another band called kid named Chicago. And we kind of took some guys from one and some guys from the other and started Mayday Parade. And that was like the goal from day one was like, okay, we've learned all this stuff from these previous bands we've been in. So what Mayday Parade needs to do is to write and record a six song EP, get it pressed, hit the road 2006, follow Warp Tour and sell these uh, EPs. Um, and there was, you know, at that point there had been kind of a, a buzz created about the band. We were on MySpace and the MySpace plays were kind of you know, getting up to, I, I guess, like a significant amount for, for what we were. And we were approached by a couple of labels and then we were signed to fearless. And then it just kind of all, you know, went from there, but you know. dude, you, <laughs> you just described my almost verbatim, my existence in those years yeah. doing the same, not. So the, the, the coolest part about what you were doing there to me is following warp tour around because I've done Warp Tour three times. It is a bus routed tour, as you know. I'm sure you've done it in a bus, which is wonderful. In a van, yeah. it sucks, even when oh, you're yeah. playing. But to follow a bus routed tour to sell CDs, like those are 12-hour drives. Like, it's nuts. And yeah. to have the the fortitude to go out and do that is insane, especially when technology's catching up and things like that, where things are getting easier to connect, you know, like you, you mentioned book your own fucking life. Like I've had a friend of mine, Kamala uh, Park. She, she uh, did that. Like that's her thing back in the day. And like the Berkeley scene with maximum rock and roll. And she came on the show talking about how she created that network and how ma and many people I talked to that use that. Like we right. had it in the van. We never used it really because we had already had stuff booked. We just bought it to kind of look at it and see what was out there. It was still the paper magazine then. And, uh, <clears throat> but following a tour like that around to sell CDs and having that kind of success with it is insane. We used to go to hot topic, kill time, sell some CDs or in the parking lot of shows. If we were running right. low on gas, right. we had $3 a day at the time. So we'd make some crazy McDonald's concoction or Taco Bell concoction every day. So you feel like right. shit. Your, your stomach's hurting like you're you're but you're hungry for what you want so it, it's just the 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 steps you were taking were so perfect 
to get to where you are, it's fascinating to, to at that time to have that kind of uh, drive and everything. You know what I mean? Like to then even ask about getting 10,000 CDs on credit, like it's nuts. Like right. there's no, there's nothing saying you guys should have sold any of those CDs, but you did, right. which is fucking awesome. Um, it's the, the stuff you hear about like MC Hammer selling records out of the back of his car, like his trunk. Right. It's that, it's that word of mouth, that grassroots stuff that, that really builds it. And that was, that's fascinating, dude. That's, that's a huge win right there before anything even happened. Like the band that, so that was before Mayday Parade, the band right. prior so that nine thousand CDs, you, did you have songs from those band that band that you then used in Mayday Parade, or did you start from uh, scratch? No, we started from scratch. There's one song from the other band, Kid Named Chicago, that the other guys were in. It was one yeah. of those songs that carried over to Mayday Parade, but there were no defining moment songs that that carried over. Yeah, and it was like that was a big like, especially for Brooks when we talked about you know quitting our other bands and coming together with one. He's like, but we've already put so much mm -hmm. into this. You know, like how can we start over? You know, and so that was like a tough kind of thing to, to sell. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing that like I couldn't do now. You know what I mean? Like we were just, <laughs> got, I was 18 years old. And I mean, yeah, tr that's truly like roughing it like crazy because like you guys, you said, those drives are just insane. And if it's your turn to drive, like you just don't get any sleep that night. No. And, and, and there's no way you can like during the day, you know, we're in a van, we're in a 15 passenger van. Mm -hmm. We're not running the the van. The ACE is just like, brutally hot everywhere. You're not sleeping any during the day um you just don't sleep and then it's like you know getting up pretty uh, the line starts kind of building up there by like eight you know eight a.m mm -hmm. so it's like everybody get up put your backpacks on we have backpacks full of cds you know and and um it just i mean i remember wearing like white shirts that had these like disgusting <laughs> the wearing the backpack like sweat like bread like just like yeah. we you know not, not showering for like a couple of weeks at a time just so fucking gross you know mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, truly, you know, roughing it like crazy, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it was kind of like, oh, and here's one other part of it that I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful, uh, for Kevin Lyman, um, because he supported what we did, uh, at one point, uh, a few weeks into it with defining moment, we got approached by security on golf carts and they were like, Hey, are you guys part of a tour? And we were like, uh, no, we're just kind of out here, you know, selling CDs. And they're like, you guys can't do that. Like you guys are taking money away from people before they even get into the festival, you know? And they're like, don't do it anymore. And we we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And we just kind of kept doing it. Um, and then the same guy saw us a few days later, we were in California at this point, the same guy came up to us and he was like, look, I told you guys not to do this. Like, I'm going to call the cops next time I see you guys out here. And so we were like, fuck man, like, we're all the way out on the West coast. Like we really have to like go home and now we like have all this debt for the rest of these CDs we have to sell. We were like, we had no idea what to do. And Brooks just happened to see Kevin Lyman riding his bike and stopped him and was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. But uh, he kind of explained what we were doing. He was like, we're an unsigned band. We're not on a tour. We're just out here trying to, you know, push, you know, sell CDs or whatever. And Kevin was like, you know what? I respect that. That's cool. He was like, you guys can keep doing it. He's like, if they give you a problem again, tell them to radio me and, and I'll, I'll tell them it's all good. And we're like, okay, cool. So we kept doing it. I mean, the same dude came up again and he was so pissed. He was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I said, you know, and we're like, no, no, hang on, hang on. You got to radio Kevin. Kevin said, it's cool. You know? And so he radioed Kevin and Kevin said it was all good. And his, I mean, he was kind of like, okay, cool. You guys yeah. are good. I mean, he was like super friendly to us for the rest of the tour he'd come up and like, just, you know, chat with us and everything. And I thought that was so cool that 
you could have easily been like, yeah, you guys aren't part of a tour. Like go home, you know, like mm-hmm. he was like, no, I respect what you guys are doing. You're out here hustling. And he's like, that's, that's cool. Keep doing it. You know? And so that was, that was, that, that could have changed everything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, uh, so I, I've always been, and I actually have never told Kevin that, but I, I, I should at some point if I see him again, but dude, yeah. you have to tell him that Kevin Lyman is such an incredible person in music. I met yeah. Kevin Lyman at a urinal. It's the total cliche, like stand at the urinal, First day of Warp Tour, look over. Hey, you're Kevin Lyman. He's like, yeah, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, I'm Dewey. He reaches over and shakes my hand at the year. We're both pissing. It's one of those things, like it's in a comedy or something. And then I like think about it later. I didn't At the time, I didn't think about it. I'm shaking his hand. I'm like, oh, Kevin Lyman, holy shit. Then I'm like, we were just pissing together. I should, like, I'm washing my hands. I'm like, that was really fucking gross. Uh, but yeah, he, he it gives chances to so many people. Like we right. were on the Kevin says stage with anatomy of a ghost. We kept breaking their microphones. Like we had this insane live show. So like the, the sound guy's like, I can't have this band on my stage anymore. And Kevin's like, you know what? Just play Volcom. Okay. So we got bumped up a stage because wow. he believed Like he believed us. like, you got, do you guys want to do some more dates? Well, yeah, sure. Like he was all about it and stuff like that. When people are selling in the park, cause he started from nothing himself, you know, like he's been through it and, and I don't know if he fully understands the 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 impact of Warp Tour and what he did, you know, Taste of Chaos, all that stuff. Like Lollapalooza, I think he was a stage manager for Lollapalooza, like the first one with like yeah. Rollins Band and Body Count and stuff. Uh, when the Butthole Surfers shot off a, a shotgun with blanks into the crowd, like Kevin oh, Lyman was the stage manager. Like he had to deal yeah. with the cops coming in for that shit. But like, so he's been around, but what he did for you, and then you guys go on to play how many Warp Tours probably? Yeah, well, we in played uh, half, we had half of it in 2007, and then we played all of it in 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016, and 2008. <laughs> main so, stage, right? Uh, uh, we did main stage the three of those, 2014, 16, and 18. And the rest <laughs> were kind of bouncing around. And uh, yeah, man, I'll tell you, the, the first time that we the, the lowest that you could possibly be at Warped Tour, mm-hmm. not even a part of it, just trying to, you know, keep follow around and sell CDs and uh, had gone from that to playing the main stage. And that was just, I mean, when people talk about like, what's like the moment, what's like your most kind of proud or what's the like, when did you feel like, oh my God, like, you, you know, kind of made it or whatever. That was definitely probably the, the, the biggest, uh, you know, moment like that. It was, it was just insane. And then playing the final one in 2018, uh, the last show was Fort Lauderdale and, uh, yeah, man, that was such a, I was like worried I was going to cry on stage, you know, from like just all of that, all those summers on Warped Tour and, and, and going from the bottom, you know, up was just insane. And, uh, what a, what an incredible experience. I, I truly miss it so much. A lot of people like Warped Tour is definitely a grind. It's definitely, there's things about it that aren't a lot of fun, but man, like those are, those are the best summers of my life that has been out there. And I, I, there's, there's nothing else like it. Any other festival that we've done, anything, there's, there's no other experience that is quite like Warped Tour. Um, and so I, yeah, I truly, I miss it so much. Yeah. Dude, I agree with you hundred percent. And it, if you set something, it's like that, if you build it, they will come kind of thing from feel the dreams. Like if, if Kevin Lyman will make a tour like this, people like you would fight to get there like and show how bad you want it by following it around doing this like you weren't even getting into the show most days right you were just working the line right right 
So you yeah. weren't even watching the bands. Like you couldn't, like you didn't have tickets. Like yeah. you're just working the line. So like, just, you know, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt. This. No, no, no. Well, we, we guys shouldn't even say this. We did, we snuck in a handful of times. Okay, perfect. With, you know, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. That's see, that's what I'm getting. Like he made something so accessible that most people could get in if they wanted to. You right. know, of course, lots of people paid, lots of people snuck in, but uh-huh. creating something like that, it's like when the cream rises to the top. So like, you know, a lot of bands are going to send in demos and stuff like that. But when he sees like you guys like hitting him up, like, dude, we're getting hassled by security. Like we're halfway across the country or fully yeah. across the country at that point. Right. Doing this, that shows you guys want it. You know, like story of the year was the barbecue band, I think, or even not even that. Maybe they're just falling around trying to get on each show. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Like it happens a lot on Warp Tour. Like, it, and it just shows like if something is there, People will fight for it, you know? Right. Then a lot of people sitting at home sending in demos aren't going to get shit. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. But they'll, they'll see who wants it. And then they have those moments where, holy shit. That guy was going to get thrown out by security for selling CDs. Now he's playing main stage years in a row. Yeah. Where's his bus? Like, you know, like it's not a van thing anymore. It's like, wait, oh, wait, here's his bus. Okay, boom. But he doesn't know that story, which is a yeah. bummer. Do you yeah. have his number? You got to call him. You just text him. <laughs> yeah, I should try and get in touch with him. And I've always been, well, yeah, right. you're right. There has to be like, you know, dozens of examples of, of, mm -hmm. of that happening. Um we ended up, uh, I don't know if it's even worth bringing up or not. In 2007, we ended up making Warped Tour mad. Um, and so I think he kind of didn't like us for a while be because of that. Uh, and I think that's also part of why it took us so long to kind of work our way back up. It was just a misunderstanding, really. Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that if I, that at some point I'd love to like kind of clear up with him. But I don't know if he even cares or remembers at this point. But I'm sure he um, does. What happened? Well, it's so, so, so in 2007, we were playing Warped Tour. I used to do a thing where I had this kind of big spiel I would do about crowd surfing. And I'd be like, who here has never crowd surfed? And people would raise their hands. I'd be like, I want your first time to be right now. Like, let's all, you know, get it going. And I kind of made a big deal of it, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then one day, our tour manager, who was really just like a friend of ours at the time, he was always you know, is <laughs> right. right. Uh, he so this is kind of like a, a, a what do they call the the phone you know the, the line of communication telephone. yeah telephone mm-hmm. yeah so the stage manager uh, Brian Dale had told him and he passed it along to me he was like Brian says that he wants you to tone down the crowd surfing thing he was like don't do the whole big spiel about it or whatever I was like okay that's cool but just to be clear can I still like mention crowd surfing and our tour manager was like yeah you can still mention it just don't do the whole big thing and I was like okay. So that's exactly what I was told. That's exactly what I did. The next day, we're playing. And instead of doing the big spiel, I was like, this song's called Jamie All Over. Let's see some crowd surfing. And then we start the song. And Brian Dale, our stage manager, starts screaming at me. He, like, his face is... I've, I've talked to him about this years later, but he's like, what the fuck? Like, like going off. And I'm seeing the song like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, like, I didn't, I didn't know. I wasn't told the correct, you know, thing or whatever, I guess. And so I guess they took it as like, oh, this band's trying to like, they were like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't trying to like be like, well, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so we played first, like every day, the rest of the summer because they were mad at us. And then this, then 2000, oh, I'm sorry, this was 2008. But anyway, we were on a, a real, a, a, like a medium sized stage. And in 2010, they offered us the Ernie ball stage, which is like a, a yeah. smaller, you know, and we were like, well, that sucks, but like, whatever, we're going to do it. And so we played the Ernie ball stage and like, it was crazy. Cause everybody was like, why are you guys on that stage? Cause we had like really, you know, really big crowds and everything. And they always kind of put that stage off in a little, like a tiny area where like, it'd be like as full as it could possibly be. Um, but we were excited. And again, I think it was cause they were just kind of like, I think Kevin didn't like us for a few years, but eventually I guess we kind of, we kept doing it. And then, we went back to the medium sized stage again in 2012. And then finally it was main stage 2014. But um, I- anyway, yeah, I-, I don't know how much that he even remembers or cares about, but it's another thing that I guess I'd like to kind of clear up, you know, cause I never, I never like apologized or explained my side of the story with that, you know, but yeah, yeah. dude, that's hilarious. Is, is Brian, the, he wasn't your stage man. He was a stage manager for warp tour, right? Like, well, is that the dude with no shirt that's like, like completely red brown all summer and like all the tattoos, the blonde guy. Um, I think that might be, uh, is that, uh, like Kenny or, oh, or I don't remember, but is that's that who I'm picturing. Or, yeah. 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 But he's yeah, like, so he looks like, like, yeah, he's ripped. <laughs> we used to call him a pirate. He looks like a pirate. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah. Uh, Brian okay. Dale is, um, a different dude. Uh, but, uh, I know there's a lot of those guys that all I kind of mix yeah. up as well. And eventually <laughs> I think, I think Brian became like head of security or something, but, but at this point he was the stage manager for, I forget what it was the, the blow up stage. You know, they have the, the inflatable black and gray thing yeah. stage like changes names every year. I forget what at the time it was like the Hurley.com stage or, or something, whatever. But, mm-hmm. Uh, that was the stage that he was managing at the time that we were on. But yeah, dude, <laughs> the best part of warp tour, I think aside from just the friends you make and like the, the, it's another thing too, when you have a pass and you can go to the backstage area and use semi clean porta potties every once in a while, if you get it in the morning. Right. Uh, right. But the food catering mm-hmm. is insane. Like when you go from three and five dollars a day on every other tour to warp tour, you're like a king. Yeah. Like from the the sear we used to do the sear we we 
put the cereal in those plastic cups and like uh with with uh there's all the different jugs of milk and like the ice bowls and like yeah it, just from that which was awesome alone it makes you feel like you're at home on a saturday morning to like okay here's lunch here's four different options and then there's vegan vegetarian and it's all so good and if you want seconds just wait till everyone's done and come back through and grab whatever you want takes them right. back to the bus of the van you're fed so well it just mm -hmm. makes everyone feel good I think I think yeah. that's the number one thing right there is that keeping people going, even with a bus with air conditioning, it is fucking hot out there. And that's where like a lot of guests when I first started the show were people I met at Warp Tour because they had buses and I'd hang out on their I, bus talking to them because I couldn't stand the van. And so yeah. like it's just this whole thing that just affects the rest of your life. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah you, you read about the food. I, mean, I remember 2007, one of the first shows like experiencing catering and I took a picture of my plate and sent it to my dad because he knew, like you were saying that we had been just living off of a few dollars a day for so long and eating yeah. McDonald's every day. And I was like, look at this dad. Like <laughs> I'm eating like real food, you know, like I'm sure, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but yeah, man, it's, uh, and uh, yeah, that was such a cool part. And we, we, we tried to do what we could to like, we'd volunteer to like serve at catering and mm -hmm. things like that. And, um, try and like do those things to just kind of like, you know, show our appreciation or whatever. And, uh, uh yeah, man, dude, yeah. that's fantastic. And I remember like, you can, you can sit down and have lunch with one of your heroes and right. there's no bullshit. Yeah. Like you'd sit with, I would sit with Tim Armstrong sometimes from Rancid or, uh, Billy Idol was super cool when he did those couple dates. Like you, Joan Jett, like all these like legends, or like sit down with the dudes in AFI and just, you know, or Glassjaw and have, have lunch, break bread, you know, like it's, it's just, everyone's on a level playing field. Absolutely. You yeah. know, there's no, like, I'm the headliner of this tour. Of course there's the big bands, but they could be playing at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's a gamble. Right. I love that. Yeah. It's so cool. No, nothing. Like you said, nothing like it. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's and the funny. Barbecue. The barbecue. Yeah. The barbecue. Yeah. Just, just along with like, you know, like how, yeah. how cool was and the that was that was one of the best parts of warp tour was the barbecue every night or every night that it could happen but just that true kind of sense of like the day is done everyone's winding down this you know warp tour is such a massive tour but it's like over a thousand people on the tour so you could just go there's just so much to do at all times you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and uh yeah man the, the amount of like you know people that you'd meet and hang with and just the crazy things that you would see and the crazy experiences of the barbecue was always just like the best. I'd go any, every time I could, you know? Yeah, yeah. dude, <laughs> I remember, and this in no way was really an influence on me, but I remember back in Alaska when we would buy CDs cause they look cooler because someone, you know, like we were big fans of Goldfinger. So when Mest came out, it's like, Oh, John Feldman found these guys. Let's check them out. And we'd play the record, you know, every once in a while, but it was like a band we knew of. They weren't like hugely influential on us at all, but, uh, Flash forward to warp tour i'm in the shower with three dudes from mest like showering and i'm looking around like what the fuck how did i get here like i bought the cd like we're looking like oh this band's cool like you know we would love to do that someday to then yeah hey dude <laughs> pass the <Yeah>. soap <laughs> real, man. It's real. getting bust into showers every like four days or whatever for for whatever reason I, they all had buses we didn't but uh yeah dude what a what a time like and it's it's funny you said so you guys you were on fearless now yeah. you're on rise uh -huh. we signed rise when rise was gonna like stop 
Craig was done. Like he's like, I'll put out one more record, see if it recoups. We're like, dude, we're gonna tour our asses off on this record. Make the record with Chris Crummett for like a thousand dollars. Fearless buys it like immediately, licenses it from Rise, which gives Craig the money to then do Fear Before the March Flames and all this other stuff. So then he's going full speed. And we're so we've been on the same two label and Portugal's on Atlantic now. You guys were on Atlantic, right? For a little while. That's right. Yeah. All three labels. That's <laughs> all, crazy. All around. It's just weird yeah. to see what like, what time we came into these things, you know? Like it's it's rad. And and uh it's like just that small world kind of feel, you know? Um right. tell me about like so when you guys when you guys started to graduate from van tours to bus tours, like what was that when you signed to Atlantic? Um, that was just before. So our first full length, Lesson Romantics, like did, you know, relatively well. Um, the first time we were on a bus was actually Warp Tour 2008 mm-hmm. was the first time that we, uh, so we did Warp Tour three times in a van, including the one time with Defining Moment, uh, three times in a van. And yeah, good Lord, that's just such a brutal experience. So yeah, 2008 was like such a, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, and it was kind of a, you know, shitty bus, but it was a bus, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, that was a, a, a huge experience for us, man. We, we, we couldn't believe it, um, that we didn't have to drive every night. We had a place to go and sit in the AC or like sleep and like nap mm-hmm. during the day. Like it was like, this is as good as it gets, man. Like, um, yeah, that was a game changer for sure. Dude. And you were using your own bus. You weren't sharing it with anybody. We had, um, a few bunks rented out, but it wasn't like us and another band. I think we had, I mean, it was a full, there was all 12 bunks where it were, were taken. I think we rented out four spots to some of the guys in Glamour Kills. Uh, mm-hmm. Glamour Kills used to, you know, bend on Warp Tour. Yeah. Um, and we became pretty close with, with those guys. Um, and then two other, I think, just kind of like random vendor folks or whatever. They just, people would just rent bunk spaces that are available or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was full, but, but you know, it was, it was a good time. Man. Yeah. Um, well, jumping back, jumping back a little bit there, you mentioned that there was some buzz going around about Mady Parade pretty early on. Where did that come from? Like, where was it for, like the carryover from the previous bands or was there just something there that latched onto people? I think it was a little bit of both. I, I think, it, well, in Tallahassee, it definitely was a carryover from the previous bands um, because both bands had kind of been around long enough and played enough shows to build somewhat of a fan base where we could play a show for a few hundred people um, and the very first Mayday Parade show, I, I want to say before, I think we had released two songs online, but that's all the music we had released, um, was a sold out show at a place called the beta bar, for like 600 people. Um, and that was wild that our very first show was, was that way. And that was because of, there was talk of like, Oh, there's, you know, this new band that's like, you know, these two, you know, these two bands come mm-hmm. together. Um, so that, that, that had a lot to do with it in Tallahassee. And then a lot of it was, um, was MySpace. You know, MySpace was the big social media platform back then and, and a great, you know, way of people discovering music, listening to music. And we put the songs up on MySpace and it just kind of slowly, I remember the day, um, it was Easter and I forget, I guess this had to have been Easter 2006, I guess, um, that we got a thousand plays in one day on MySpace, and that was a huge thing because mm-hmm. you know they had like the daily counter of how many plays you got each day, and everybody was calling each other and being like, "Yo, like, we just got a thousand plays today, like on on MySpace." And we're like, "What? Like that's crazy, you know?" And so I think that was part of it. Um, and then also when we were, you know, following Warp Tour and selling CDs, that kind of helped a lot because we were we were 
you know, selling a few hundred CDs a day and, um, really, so I, I forget what the total was. I think it was around like 12,000 or something that we sold, um, with Mayday Parade, uh, in 2006 Warped Tour. Um, so yeah, just kind of things started. And even before that, there were a couple, you know, smaller labels that had reached out to us. Um, and, uh, it just kind of picked up and, uh, and then, you know, Fearless contacted us while we were out on Warped Tour we skipped one day of selling CDs. I think, you know, Anaheim or, or one or Ventura, one of the uh, Southern California dates, um, to go play a showcase, uh, for fearless. And we were like super nervous. We didn't even have any gear as our trailer was just full of CDs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to borrow, I think it was a band called. So they say, I think, I think mm-hmm. we had to borrow there. They let us borrow their equipment to set up at this kind of like rehearsal space thing and put on like a show, for, for fearless and, and, and Bob Becker and, and all those folks. And, uh, they were super cool and brought us back to the headquarters. And, uh, um, and out of all, there were a couple different labels we were talking to and fearless was just like easily the most, you know, interested and, and, and seemed like they really like wanted us to be a part of the team. And, um, and they had a lot of great things going on at the time with the plain white tees and, you know, mm-hmm. other cults like other bands and, um, so yeah, we went with it and I think that was, I, I loved it. I, I, I loved the whole team there and I felt like they were really great to us and, and it was a super positive experience. Yeah. yeah. Was, was Graham still there at that point? <sighs> Graham day, he was like Bob's partner. Like, okay. He, he left so. a, he opened like a surf shop somewhere or something, but he was, he was the one who first started coming to our shows before Bob did, I think. Um, okay. and it was like Graham and Bob, like that was fearless. And then it started like, you know, start hiring a bunch more people. There was a guy named Todd, I think. Um, Tom McCarty, yeah. Yeah. And I, it was so long ago, but the, the, um, when you, when you, uh, brought the Mayday, when you got the Mayday Parade CDs to start selling at Warp Tour, did you buy those on credit too, or did you use the money from the previous bands selling? Yeah. We, we had to, we bought those on credit as well. Wow. Um, and <laughs> multiple also- times. That's crazy. Right. Well, at that point, we were like confident that like we'll be able to sell that. We'll be. Yeah. We knew it was going to work, and we had to. So, in the previous band defining moment, we were lucky enough that our bass player's dad, uh, well, one had a lot of money, but also uh, was a, a car dealer, and so he was able to get us a van for super cheap. That I believe maybe he even fronted the money for or something. I, I forget. Um, with Mayday Parade, we had to buy a fifteen passenger van. We didn't have any money my dad actually uh, loaned us the money to purchase the van, but with the understanding that we're going to sell enough CDs to pay him back by the end of the summer in just a few months, you know? Um, and so we owed my dad like $12,000 and we owed uh, whatever the, the, the uh, printing company was mm-hmm. another, you know, 10,000 or 15,000 or whatever. So we're like pretty good in debt from the start and actually just like three I want to say three or four shows in, um, to warp tour 2006, we got in a wreck, um, where, um, we had someone drive in, we had a a friend of ours driving, who was just coming out and helping sell CDs for a little bit. And a deer ran out in front of the road and she Mm. swerved and the trailer swung around and slammed into the back of the van and came unhooked and went flipping off and it like broke open and so you know, it was like six in the morning. We wake up to, you know, like her screen. It was like crazy. And, um, we get out of the van and there's like boxes of CDs on the interstate semis, just running them over. Oh. And I was just 
like, oh my God, no. Like we were like, just, you know, we had just bought the van like two, like a week or two earlier. Owed my dad all this money. We had fucked up the van. We'd fucked up the trailer. We didn't know how many CDs we had lost. Uh, luckily we only lost about, you know, 400 CDs of the like 12,000 we had or whatever. God. Uh, but that was a nightmare. And we, we went and bought a new trailer that morning. This was, this was Brooks's 21st birthday. This happened the morning, the morning of his 21st birthday. And we went and bought a new trailer and transferred all the CDs into that one and still made it to, I think it was Milwaukee or it was Minneapolis, uh, warp tour and, and kept selling CDs that, that day, you know, Dude. but for a second we were like freaking out. Cause we were like, Oh my God, is this like, like we, we are so in debt. Like, oh, we just did we like, how bad are we, you know, fucked here. But, uh, we were able to yeah, keep going. Dude, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, absolutely insane. Yeah. You were selling so many CDs. That's, that's, I love that dude. So, how many times are you doing signings now? And someone mentions that they bought your your EP back in the day, like before. D does that happen a lot? Not so much anymore, but it did for a while. Um, and that was such a cool thing, especially like early on, because you know, like you know, we sold CDs 2006, and then 2007, 2008, we'd be doing these signings, and there'd be people that would they'd be like, "Yo, like you were like begging me to give you five dollars to buy your CD two years ago. And now I just waited in line for an hour to get your signature. Like how crazy is that? I'd be like, that is fucking crazy. You know, like, um, it, yeah, it was, it was insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was such a crazy thing. And we actually, 2018, we went around and, and started selling CDs just to people, just to kind of like, it's the last year of work tour. We'd walk around with backpacks of CDs and, and uh, we'd have CDs that we pre-signed. We pre-signed uh -huh. CDs and we'd sell them for five bucks. And we went around and sold a bunch of CDs um, just to kind of like, yeah, you know what? We used to hustle like hard as hell. Like, let's go out and like hustle. It's the last year, you know? And <laughs> that was kind of a cool, like full circle experience, you know? <laughs> you guys may have been the top seller of CDs in 2018 versus yeah. even stores. <laughs> yeah. Just, just clear them out, man. Five bucks. Yeah. That's rad. And then, yeah, then they don't have to wait in line for the signing or anything else. But, uh, yeah, cause you guys got a pretty, I mean, a pretty solid fan base. Like you guys have some pretty committed fans. Like I, I, uh, I imagine it's just gets, it's just growing and growing and growing like always, but, uh, going from selling CDs to then main stage <laughs> warp tour to, I mean, signings to playing these huge tours, like on your own tours, you know, riding around in a bus not on $5 a day anymore. I mean, you guys really appreciate what you have. Like you've been through, you're not one of those bands that just came out, came out of it, you know, like right. even before, like multiple times <laughs> taking right. out loans and, and buying stuff on credit in the hopes that people are going to like, you know, you're going to sell them because you're going to work at it. You know, right. it's wild to think about yeah. the, the risks that we take when we're younger you know, yeah. how long you can last on ramen noodles when you're younger versus now. Like, it's just not the same. Right. There's no more MySpace. Warp yeah. Tour is gone now. Like, it's everything's changing. The world's changed. Like, when you guys were coming up, the internet was taking over. Like, if yeah. you guys got your shot in 1999, probably be set for life. But now right. you still have to tour. You still have to bust your ass to make a living. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it's a humbling thing, but also it's it's wild how it shifted like that so fast. 
It just yeah. flip-flopped. There's people living off a song they wrote in the 70s still, like a a middle-class salary from one song being in a movie soundtrack to right. now like we have to play how many shows this year to pay the the mortgage? Right. I mean, you guys are living yeah. that now. Yeah. I mean, how did yeah. like how are you guys surviving now? Like I know shows are coming back, but were you pretty terrified there this year or did you guys feel feel good about things like as far as where it was going to end up? It was it was definitely a little bit of a wake up call of like oh man, like yeah, cuz we've been just so steady at it for so long mm-hmm. and like constantly, you know, tour. We haven't we haven't taken much of a break from touring other than a few months in, in the last, you know, almost 16 years since we started you know, a few months here and there at home was the most we ever, we ever did. So now at this point, yeah, we'll tour again in September. That'll be almost two years from the last tour we did or the last show we even played other than like a couple of virtual shows, but that last like real in-person show almost two years. Um, so it definitely is kind of a wake up call of like, Oh, like what am I going to do when I'm not doing this anymore? You know what I mean? Cause like, cause one day that's going to be the case. Um, but we've all, you know, we're all lucky enough that. Um, we're able to, you know, one, continue to make some money, uh, through the band and, you know, merchandise and, and through doing some virtual shows and whatever. Um, and we've all kind of branched out to doing some other stuff as well and working on some other music and just kind of, um, also having kind of saved up enough or, or whatever to not be like struggling. Um, but it definitely, yeah, it's, it's real. And, uh, I guess we're all just hoping and, and, and I, and I, I do think that, you know, hopefully this is the case that things will kind of pick back up where they left off and we'll be able to keep going forward. But there is a point where you ask, yeah, like, I mean, how, how long, how, how mm-hmm. can we keep doing this for another 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you know, and it's difficult to say. Um, but I don't really worry about it or stress about it too much. Um, cause I don't know. I just feel like we'll figure it out as we go, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been a, the last year and a half or, or however long, you know, this has all been going on. It's mm-hmm. been pretty gnarly. Um, but I'm just so grateful that we're like, we're so close, you know, like we're uh, just over a month, you know, a month and a half out from getting back out on the road. And it's going to be such a, especially that like first show, those first couple shows can mm-hmm. be so powerful after this much time. Um, I, I really look forward to it so much. And Dude. Yeah. Are you, do you own your home then? I do. Yeah. Okay. Are you married? Uh, I'm actually going through a divorce right oh now. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I, well, I, I guess sorry is the wrong term. I guess yeah. but who's, who said that? No, no good marriage ever ended in divorce. Like, uh, right. Louis no, CK or whatever. Okay. So yeah. Like that. Yeah. Uh, no. but I'm sorry you're going through that. That's a, a stressful time. Yeah. I, and so yeah. you have kids. I do, man. Okay. So mm-hmm. you were, you were in a, quite a situation right now. That's right. Man. Yeah, it's been, been a pretty crazy few months to be honest, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's life, you know, yeah. and, uh, getting get through it just day to time kind of thing. But yeah, sure. Well, that mean you're more than, more than ready to get back on the road and making music and playing for doing what you do. I mean, that's the one sure. thing that'll bring you out of that, you know, and, and, and right. boost your spirits back up and, and all that. Yeah. Um, man, and cause you're doing that for other people every night. Anyway, a lot of people at the show are going through the same things and, and that pulls right. them out of it too. It's good that it still right. can pull you out as well and put you, yeah. you know, back in, uh, uh, some place of normalcy, you know, yeah. feeling good. Um, so you, you guys have some new music coming out then, right? You, like a new single or you got a new record coming out? That's right. Yeah. So we, uh, we just put out a, a single a few weeks ago and we have some more and 
this isn't like, I don't know how much, I, I never know what I'm supposed to say or what I'm allowed to say <laughs> or whatever, but I'm yeah. just going to say, we, we have a new album that's done that uh, we haven't announced yet, but uh, yeah, it'll be, we'll, we'll do a couple singles first and then uh, I don't know when exactly it comes out, but uh, I guess just kind of, you know, yeah, it'll be, it'll be this year sometime. Okay. Um, so that'll be our seventh full length record. Jeez. Very excited about that. Uh, and also a bunch of other, I have like some solo stuff I've been doing. I have a couple other projects that I've been working on musically with some other folks, just cause like we've had this time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, there's, there's a bunch kind of like in the works that's going to, you know, fizzle out as, as, as we go the next year and, uh, a lot of really exciting stuff. So I'm, I'm pumped about it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You're feeling good about it. And, and of course, always new music's coming out. It's always exciting playing those songs for, for people who've never heard them you know, having something fresh. You guys got, that's so many records. It's crazy. Like so many bands don't make it that far to you guys. Like, yeah, like just bam, bam, bam. That's crazy. Like, so, uh, and you're going out on tour here. You said a a month or two. Yeah. The beginning of August. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Beginning of September. September. Uh, Okay. Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, dude, this has been great. Like I've, I've, I'm stoked. Like this is, uh, one of those things that just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, I love yep. learning about people and, and, uh, people that I don't know, people that I do know, learning more about them and, and, uh, kind of doing that through this show. Um, and it's always fun to talk to her stories and warp tour and all that stuff. Cause literally created a genre of bands or basically right. a conglomeration of genres. Uh, right. It was that powerful to do so. Um, yeah. Well, where, where, I mean, it's probably easy to, to find you guys, but like, where would you direct people that in my listenership that may not know Mayday Parade, where would you direct them to find this? I mean, of course, Spotify, but like, is there a spot, kind of the sweet spot for you guys you feel that people get the most out of? You know, I, I, I'm the worst at like, it, it, the, you need that social, you know, I mean, we're all like, you know, you, get, yeah. you can look at Spotify and Apple Music and this, we probably have a website that's got all of it easy to access. I don't know. I'm, I'm the worst at that stuff, but, uh, yeah, but it's out there. It's easy. You, know, you can Google it. It's easy. Enough. Okay. Yeah. And those tour dates are, are, is the tour announced yet? The tour is announced. Okay. Yeah, for the band, band called microwave. It's really good. So we're doing like a handful of festivals. We're doing riot fest and furnace fest and a handful of other festivals. And this is kind of like just a short, you know, run of, uh, you know, kind of like B market, you know, club shows yep. in between those festivals. And so it's kind of a light touring. It's just like the month of September, but next year we're going to be hitting, you know, pretty hard, uh, out the gate next year for the first, well, actually over the, you know, up through the summer of next year, we'll be, we'll be going at it pretty good kind of to make up for, for lost time. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of exciting things happening. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Hit me up when you come through Portland. We'll definitely, uh, yeah. I would love to come out and see you guys. Cause, uh, this has been yeah. great, dude. I appreciate it a lot coming on and, and chatting for an hour and, and, uh, yeah, just getting out of our own heads for a little while. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll be up in Portland. I think you know February or March uh, okay. next year. Yeah, we'll be in touch. I'd love to see you, man. Be Very great. good, awesome, dude. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening and or your afternoon. Well, whatever it is, at four o'clock there. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, and and good luck to you, man. I'm sorry you're going through this stuff now, but uh, you know, if it's for the best, it's only going to get better. So, sure. yeah, keep your head you up. So much. I appreciate that. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right, take it easy. All right, see you later. later. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Derek Sanders from Mayday Parade. 
what a fun, what a fun chat. We just did, talked about so much stuff that brought back so many memories. It was hard not to keep chiming in because so many things he was talking about were exact things that we had done before that, um, back in the early, early 2000s before, I think before they were even in the other bands. And so it was just kept bringing up these same similarities and it was just funny. I just kept smiling through the whole thing because, uh, he basically word for word described the struggles and triumphs of anatomy of a ghost, early Portugal, the man stuff, like just all the, the burning room stuff that I was doing was all that, like, just get whatever you can out there, you know, van accidents, pressing CDs, burning, burning CDs yourself, painting them, uh, cardboard sleeves, hand folding, hand printing shirts, like everything was all DIY back then. And uh, things are so different now, and which is great. But I would not trade any of that for the world because I had such a blast doing all those things. Uh, it just made us more connected to what we were doing. It's like when you make a good meal for yourself or your family, you, you appreciate it more than if you went and bought it somewhere and brought it home. Uh, you just appreciate it because you know it went into doing it. And when you get accolades and things like that, like you, you feel better about it because you fucking worked hard for it. And it's awesome. So uh, if, if you guys are out there DIYing things like we're doing here, just just keep it up. You know what I mean? Keep it up. Keep your head up. People are going to tell you shit sucks. Like I said the other week, who cares? It, it's not it's not any of their concern. You just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it's it's a tough world out there. But if you're brave enough to put something you created out in the world, uh, you know, I applaud you for it straight from here, right from the heart. So I love each and every one of you guys very much. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. Go join the Facebook group, Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, and go join the premium service, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm, and get yourself the video footage, the ad-free feed, and access to the past cast. Hit me up, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com if you want to, you know, chat. We've got questions, uh, comments, guest suggestions, anything like that. We've got a ton in the can. I'm doing two interviews today, uh, and that's of five this week. So we are going to be stocked with some good shit. If you go join the Facebook group, you can see who I'm talking to today and how that stuff's going. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get out of here. I got to get these done and get them out to you. So thank you so much for coming back week after week. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.
Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.